Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently. Welcome to another discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, podcast for people who see things differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont, and I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for well over 10 years now. Today, I'm joined by a guest, Tony. Hi, Tony. How are you? Good, good. How are you, Kev? Doing wonderful having having you. <laughs> wonderful having you, Wonderful too. <laughs> being with you on this podcast. Fantastic, Tony. We love having you here. Uh, it's good times. <laughs> it's uh, This is not commonplace, I would, I would believe, for my industry, at least not uh, in the wealth building industry. <laughs> Perhaps not, but... <laughs> Tony is an entrepreneur, and the wealth building industry, well, entrepreneurs like to build wealth. So I think that's a rather fitting tale. A lot of people start their lives with a job and a career, and they think that's the path they're going to go down. They might find out later that they want something more out of life. They want to make their own job, career, path, become an entrepreneur, have their own business. Tony is with VAC Motorsports, the founder of that. BAC's been around for about 35 years this year. He's done quite well with that. And like many people, he started, well, as a regular job and eventually found out that he wanted something more. There was some other bug that was biting him that he had to, he had to scratch that itch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. You know, from when I was a little kid, my dad had a repair shop and he would take me to the repair shop at the age of eight, really. I started wow. going, yeah. started tinkering with cars and, we're talking in the uh, early 70s, and back then, everything used to be repaired, not, not <laughs> right, like right. today's industry where, you know, it's just a lot of parts swapping. So engines used to be rebuilt, alternators used to be rebuilt, you know, so forth and so on. So I started learning at a young age, and shortly after, my dad hurt his back and then decided that he didn't want to be in the automotive industry. And then he had a, a thing for, you know, the kitchen as well. So he opened up a Middle Eastern cuisine called Saloom's Middle Eastern Cuisine in South Philadelphia. Well, that took me out of my element. I did continue to work on cars because cars were my passion. Even at the age of 13, 14, I would crawl under the cars in the streets of South Philadelphia. Old Oldsmobiles and Fords and Chevys and so forth. And, you know, they used to have a lot of oil pump failures back in the day. And it was commonplace for me to drop an oil pan on one of those big American V8s in the streets to uh, do oil pump replacement and right. distributor repairs and so forth. So that's kind of, you know, how far back it goes. You know, interesting story that, that really will lead the way into the BMW marketplace for me. When I was in sixth grade, I went to a, a school called Masterman, Julia R. Masterman, which is actually probably the number one rated school currently in the city of Philadelphia. And um, we used to learn everything in that school, from uh, home economics to printing class and so forth. So back then, we used to do typesetting. And typesetting, for those that don't know, it's actually when you know magazines and newspapers were printed, you used to have to do typesetting. You used to take the, the different fonts and have to set them, you know, as mechanical characters. And, you know, basically the whole magazine or ad or whatever was done 
that way, and then they, that's the way the printing presses worked. Right. So it was uh, something that we learned. So in that class, the, uh, the teacher at the time says, I want you guys to look through these magazines and find out and let me know what magazine captures your attention. And when I started flipping through the pages, I found the most attractive ad to me, which turned out to be a BMW 2002 advertisement, which was back in the day. Again, it was probably in the early to mid-70s, that car, you know, and and their ad was the ultimate driving machine. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, I don't know of any other automotive manufacturer that still uses the same slogan (laughs) as BMW because, you know, you're watching... BMW commercials these days, and it's still the ultimate driving yeah, machine. So true. that's, you know, when people ask me what really got you into it, that was what kind of got me into the mark. And then my uncles overseas, uh, you know, had BMW service shops, and I learned how to drive on a BMW 2002 when I was 13. You know, on the other side, visiting my uncles, they would uh, let me drive in the foothills of Beirut you know, taught me how to drive a manual on the mountains. So it was all BMW. And, and then, you know, that's really when the bug was planted. A couple other uncles had the old BMW 3.0, or back then over there, they were called uh, 2800 and 2500, slightly smaller, you know, basically right. 2.5 liter and 2.8 liter. Here in the States, some of those were brought in as 3.0s or, you know, Bavaria was another name that it was given to to those chassis. But yeah, that's, that's how far back that BMW bug goes. And, right. and that's, you know, that's the evolution. That's basically what started it all. So in high school, I went to Central High School, which also put out a, a lot of successful people here in the city of Philadelphia. You have mayors and politicians and lawyers and so forth, you know, all types, doctors, that have come out of this school. It's got a, a long history. Well, you know, for me, I was still car guy at heart. So, you know, when I would drive up back then, it was the muscle car era, and I had yeah. a 69 Olds 442 convertible that I would drive up oh, to Central yeah. High. Now, some stories to, to share. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> many, many of uh, all boys schooled that time. Girls High was right across the street from us. Anyway, uh, you know, I, I managed to uh, stick with the, although we had the restaurant, I was working and putting in restaurant hours, I managed to, to stay in the automotive field. And when I graduated Central, I went to Temple. Could have gone anywhere. I chose Temple. Yep. It's old commercial for Temple University. I don't know if they still use it. <laughs> Could have gone anywhere. I chose Temple. So, uh, but my dad, you know, during during the years, one one thing that my dad really pushed us to do is to always be our own bosses. So although I worked for my dad and I worked for a family, I worked really, really hard because I knew that to be successful in life, you have to always give not a hundred percent. You have to give a hundred and ten percent or two hundred percent, whatever, whatever percentage you want to put above a hundred, but a hundred's not enough. hundred's not enough. So we continued the education. When I was in uh, Temple, I started to work. That was probably the only time I was employed for someone else. 
and I worked for a, a little repair shop called Dom's Auto Repair. And Dom was a super nice guy. His shop's still there in South Philadelphia. And the general service for him, along with a, a friend of mine at the time, and we uh, we used to hustle. We used to really knock out a lot of work. And I did that for about three months, and then those words of wisdom that my dad used to shed shed upon us that I always want you to be your own boss. So yeah. that never left me. Shortly after, you know, I was when I was in Temple, when I started, I took business classes, but I also wanted to do engineering background. Right. So did engineering and business administration. And I did that for a couple of years. But during that same period, I had the bug to have my own business. So bought a place at that time from an old man named Lou Verna. And uh, the business was called Verna's Auto Body. A friend of mine worked for Lou Verna. And Lou Verna was about to retire and wanted to sell the business. So we thought this could be an opportunity. I asked that to borrow some money for me. He bought the business and eventually, you know, I had to pay him back. But back then, it was uh, not a not a property, just the business. It was a $50,000, $55,000 purchase, which was not a lot of money, if you know, by today's standards, but it was actually a pretty handsome sum for 1984. Yeah, that's fair enough, yeah. And the interesting part is that the old man, Lou Verna, promised to stay with us and coach and train me because a body man I was not. Right. I was actually a mechanic. Right. Now, my friend worked for him, so that was good. But, you know, Lou signed the paperwork, got his money, and then the next day never showed up. So you want to talk about a sink or swim? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> As a, <here> you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I, I'd, I'd had good training and good work ethic, so I knew I, I'd had to learn really, really fast. And my dad lent a hand. And Tom, the uh, employee at that time, was also pretty good. But I had to learn and learn really quick. So you're learning business, but you also have to learn how to repair people's cars properly. From a mechanical standpoint, it was not a problem. From the body and paint side, you know, we had to get it done. So started uh, learning that stuff. And Within six months, Tommy uh, said to me, hey, you know, I got to tell you, I'm really impressed. I, I never imagined that in six months you would learn so much that you would surpass me and be better at this, in this industry than I was. And I kind of had to laugh it off. But that's, again, you have to be driven. If you want to be successful, you have to be driven, right? Sure. I, guess, I guess that's the, the thought process of any entrepreneur. Now, for me, I never really looked at it from the money side. I always looked at it from the personal satisfaction side. Now, obviously, the more you grow as a person and the better you make your business, then the financial rewards will eventually come with it. And that, that was kind of always my approach. So that's the early days. Now, it started to, uh, you know, I had to push it forward. So I was using my engineering knowledge from Temple and my business administration skills for bookkeeping, for, you know, making sure that I stayed on track with the business, making sure that when money rolled in, you don't just start spending it frivolously because it's it's easy to reach into your pockets 
when when it's when they're full and spend, and then when you really need it, you have nothing. Right. And so that's that's where the discipline had to come in. Right. So I always believed in putting back in the business. There are many business owners, regardless of the business type, they start. They're not really business-minded people, but they know they're they're either good craftsmen or whatever it is that they do. They start to make money and they just mismanage their money. So ultimately, that became the challenge. But every time there was some money, I always invested it back in better equipment, more modern equipment. We were probably the first shop in that neighborhood to have a proper frame machine. I went out to Kansas to learn the frame straightening class, get certified with that because we bought a frame bench called Kansas Jack, made in Kansas. That was the first four. Then I took my painting classes and got certifications in the painting and so forth. So, you know, I always reinvested. Instead of being like the other shops where when I needed a, a pint of paint, I would have to call a local business, the local paint supplier to buy. I had the mixing system in my shop, so I would mix it as I needed it. And again, it's always thinking ahead, always investing. So whatever business you're going to have, if you're an entrepreneur, you always have to try to think ahead. You know, in the automotive industry, in the racing industry, we teach, we instruct, when we instruct, we teach people that you, you look ahead and you, when you're driving, you don't drive, you don't look at the corner, you look ahead of the corner. Right. And, and I believe that business is the same way. I think that's the general principle of life. As as you're moving along in life, the faster you're moving in life, the farther ahead you have to look. <laughs> and when you're in business, if your business is really starting to take off, you really have to look even further ahead. So I think I've done a reasonably good job growing the business. When we started, it was a basically a one-man show, you know, two people, 2,000-square-foot body shop. We're now occupying over 18,000 square feet. 5,000 square feet of that is machine shop that includes engine building equipment. But, you know, as uh, some people know, uh, CNC equipment for manufacturing. We have uh, internet-based sales, and that's a a good portion of our business. And and in the earlier years, I focused on the international side of it because I realized that in business, if you're going to sell the same product that everybody else has, your your return on investment is going to be minimal. Yeah. So I focused on key products that we created yep. on solutions for these automobiles. And we constantly look to create solutions and, and have a product that's not a commodity because as soon as it becomes a commodity, then the bottom falls out in the profit side. Right. So that's really been, you know, the approach from then to now. Other than a lot more square footage and, you know, we were up to about 30 employees at one point, which is a handful to manage. So I did have to dial it back, unfortunately, for not because we were necessarily doing bad, but because I kind of started to view it, the analogy is a freight train that was out of control. Yeah. You're moving so fast that you're now becoming inefficient. Right, right. Again, if you look, if you're looking at the return on investment, the investment was huge, but the return was not any better. Right. And, and that wasn't enjoyable for me. Right. I like to still be hands-on. I like to be creating. I, I like to make sure that it's a, it's a nice work environment. And so uh, a few years back, I decided we dialed it back down to about 18 people. 
And basically, it's a reset button. You know, I another one of my beliefs in business, I've been around so long, I've seen the cycles. It seems like in our industry, probably in many industries, they're cyclical. So right. you start to have that that slope, that steep slope, and there's a lot of growth. And all of a sudden, you know, the market trends change and people's desires change or whatever, you know, stuff beyond our control. And then you start to see that it's trending down again a little bit. You kind of have to hit the reset and then start focusing and, and redirecting. And that's kind of the way, you know, that's my approach on this business since the start. And and I find for me, I think if you have a good stretch, you have eight years. I think five to eight years is probably, you know, might be a norm. I've never, I've never researched it, but maybe somebody out there that does it for a living might say, yeah, you're, you're spot on. Five to eight years is a good cycle. And so, you know, I feel that we're probably going through our about fourth reset at this point. Yeah. And we feel that, you know, maybe in another year or two, as the economy turns, continues to turn and we, try to take this business to yet another level, I think then we should be kind of in cruise control for another five years. Excellent. agree with your uh, analysis on cyclicalness of, of business. It's something that I've experienced and other people I've talked to have experienced. So another interesting fact too, Tony, people might find interesting is that you've been into racing, correct? Yourself? Yep. Personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why did you get into the racing and how has that influenced your business? Well, the uh, the racing was always a passion, you know, driving fast and, you know, car control and all that. That seemed to be an innate behavior for me, an innate <laughs> skill. Right. And it, it really officially kind of started in the early 90s. I started to do some driving classes with driving schools, or as they call them, DEs, driving events with BMW Club and Porsche Club. And the first time I went was to Summit Point. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And being kind of a hot shoe, you go onto the track and it's a completely different driving experience. You know, the the racing that I'd done before that was not really on track. It was autocross. And it was with the SCCA. So, you know, a few of us would go on certain weekends and do autocrosses and you know we did well we used to have fun and 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 I did well felt like my car at that time I would drive it kind of felt like I was on my door handles I was the car was leaning so much to the corner <laughs> so when I went to this DE my instructor was not very impressed and I kind of remember the conversation with him at the end he said you know you you may have some skills but if you don't if you don't learn to listen you're not going to learn <laughs> So it wasn't a very good review from that particular <laughs> instructor, and that, that um, must be your um, your your drivenness. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to drive, you you know, you want to drive so hard that you're not driving yeah. proper, right? You know, using proper technique. So yeah. it didn't take me long to fix that, and uh, probably in under a season of DEs. The Porsche Club signed me off as an instructor, and a couple of the instructors that had been instructors with Porsche Club at that time for probably every bit of 30 years that, that had a lot of experience said, what are you doing on on that side? You know, you can easily be an instructor and recommended that I become an instructor, you know, and then I continued on with the racing, started racing with SCCA 
in 1996. At that time, I uh, was also building my own tube frame car, BMW, as you know, one would have it, right? Yeah. 320i, old, old body, and that was for SCCA. It ran its first race in 1997 and 1998. We went to the SCCA runoffs in mid-Ohio. We had some mechanical issues by the time we sorted it through. We had to start at the back of the pack, but luckily we uh, had a decent race and ended up finishing mid-pack. Good. But that was the, the national championship. After that, we uh, we went pro racing. We built a, a 1999 BMW 325 right off of the showroom floor. Wow. Went up to, uh, I think that, that was purchased in Rochester, New York. Sent the tow truck up. He brought it back down. It was a non-sunroof car. Drove it around the block once, parked it, and uh, in under 60 days, it was on the racetrack racing. It was the first D46 <laughs> BMW in racing than anywhere on the planet, actually. Nice. Straight into the scalpel. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, right to the surgery room. You know, and, that, and that's and that's basically where the deep, you know, call it the deep racing roots. But before that, I was actually, I built a, a rally car, a VW rally car for uh, Lebanon. Oh, yeah. And couple of friends of mine drove it. The first guy drove it the first year, didn't have as much, didn't have a whole lot of success, but it wasn't really the car at that time. It was more the driver was over aggressive. Put a different driver in the car uh, for the next two seasons, and they won the championship in 1994 with it. Wow. That was a Valvoline-sponsored, Valvoline Middle East-sponsored car. So that was... Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can look back into the early 90s for for the racing heritage, you know, it started, at, at VAC. Yeah. Yeah. So the VAC name, if you're curious, like I said, it started as Verna's Auto Body because I bought it from Lou Verna. And then a couple of years later when I built enough show winners and that kind of – I get bored, right? I'm always looking for a challenge as probably most entrepreneurs are right. always looking for yeah, a challenge. It's, it's not – you know, like I said, a lot of people probably, a lot of entrepreneurs probably don't do what they do just for the money. Some of them probably go out with the exclusive thought of, I want to make as much as I can. Others go out because they just want to have projects and babies and things they created. Sure. sure. So, uh, after, you know, after boredom a couple of years in, I decided, let me add the mechanical side back in. So when I started doing the mechanical work for the general public at that time, Decided, well, you know, maybe marketing could be a second business for me, if you will. But I figured Verna's Auto Body doesn't sound very catchy for service work. Right. So I called it Verna's Auto Clinic. Ah. And so that's where the VAC came from. But once we got into the motorsports, it wasn't catchy enough for racing. So then it just became the acronym VAC Motorsports. It was Verna's Auto Body, then Verna's Auto Clinic, and then the acronym VAC. Wow, so that's, that's that's where that comes from. That's where that came from, yeah. So there's a story behind it. It's a good story. So racing was a passion, but it really helped fuel your business to where it is today, right? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So that's been a huge impact. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a good part of the business. Most of what we do is performance-related work. Right. A lot and, of custom parts. And a lot of specialty parts, like I said, that are, that are sold on the website worldwide. Right, right. Yeah. 
So that's yeah, that's the bulk of the revenue right, generated. Right. So since you're out there, you have people stickers in their cars and such. That's like mm-hmm. advertising. Mm-hmm. People hear about you. They hear about your parts. And yeah. uh, so you get a lot of word of mouth business that way. Yep, a lot of word of mouth business. That's. I still believe that although today's society, you have a lot of social media and and other means of marketing. The best means of marketing is still the word of mouth because people, you know, mm-hmm. getting a personal recommendation, you know, and again, you can do personal recommendations over social media. Sure. <laughs> true. <laughs> Today's age, that is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I have, uh, I had like a little saying that I always said, um, people tend to do business with people they know. Mm-hmm. You know that's, I think that's, that's fitting that's, what you're saying. That's, that's fair to say. Fair to say. You build relationships. Relationships, yeah. Yeah. They're key. So do you have any other tips or hints or, you know, things, words of wisdom you've learned along the way for people who are looking to do their own business, maybe to avoid or to a certain type of path to go down or anything? Well, I think if I had to do it all over again, I would probably do it the same way. So I, I believe that the formula for success first and foremost, has to be a strong work ethic. Now, you have a strong work ethic, the next step would be to have proper management and management of the employees and management of your money. Right. So if you can't manage your money properly, no business will survive. I'm pretty sure, again, without, it's not my, I don't spend my career going around looking at why businesses fail, but businesses fail. You know, usually because they're not making enough money, or if they make it, they mismanage it. Right. So for anyone looking to start, love what you do. When you make money, hold on to it and spend it wisely and reinvest in your business if you want it to grow. Wise words. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I think our our listeners today have gotten a great story and some great words of wisdom there on business and life. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Appreciate it. And Wealth Tactic Rebels, as always, you can go to our show notes page at wealthtacticrebels.com, where you can download our free guide to the three key areas that you could be losing money unknowingly and unnecessarily. And everybody, thank Tony again today for being here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm humbled. (laughs) Me as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Enjoy your day, everyone. Yes. Enjoy. Want to really see things differently? Take our course in Genius Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples, see your progress with quizzes and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals.
Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.